If you suffer some kind of childhood abuse or trauma, you don't want to miss this episode. If you carry around some shame and or guilt, you don't want to miss this episode. If you don't feel like showing up in your own life, you definitely don't want to miss this episode. If you have some fears you're not confronting, you also don't want to miss this episode. Today, my guest, Michael Anthony, is a testimony of what one can do and become starting in this game of life in a very, very disadvantageous and hard position. He's a childhood trauma survivor and went from trauma survivor to trauma warrior to trauma mentor who worked on healing himself so that he can now focus on a very ambitious goal to end generational trauma in his lifetime. He guides adult survivors of child abuse in getting out of the vortex and reclaiming their power. And honestly, he can help empower anyone. And he does this through his best-selling book, Think Unbroken, his coaching, mentoring, his podcast, Think Unbroken Podcast, and teaching through his company, Think Unbroken Academy. With him, we talk about his life journey, the question that changed his life forever, what is the biggest consequence caused by childhood trauma? One tool he uses to trick himself to show up every day, and you don't want to miss this. What questions he asks himself to remind himself to show up and live his life. What is the ultimate way to get to the things that you want in your life? What's the catalyst to continue to do the work every day? We talked about fear. Why does someone not face their fears? What can help to face them? We talk about shame and guilt. Why do we carry around shame and guilt? Listen to this part, although you may hear things that you may not want to hear. He shares a powerful analogy of trauma that can help you understand how to start healing it. We talk about the things and the processes needed to get a goal. And we dive deep into vulnerability, what it is, and what it isn't. And if you worry about what others think of you, you have to listen to Michael. He also shares with us the truth he wants to see in the world. Nowadays, we hear many stories of speakers, coaches, entrepreneurs, authors, human beings who underwent and overcame huge traumas or challenging events in their life. My hope is that as a society, we don't get accustomed or numb ourselves to these stories. Some don't make it, so we will never hear those stories. So my wish is that you take something today from Michael's stories and all his sharings. Have you ever wondered what makes people capable of creating changes that impact their lives and the world around them? What is their way of thinking, their mentality, their patterns, their perceptions of the world, their reactions to different life events? What influences them? My name is Cristina Puyol, and I invite you to join me in this adventure where we will explore together the mind of change makers. Today, I am really happy because I have with me an amazing soul, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, coach, speaker, podcast host, and advocate for survivors of childhood trauma. Michael Anthony went through a lot of trauma as a kid, having his own mother cut off his right finger, being beaten by his stepfather, molested, homeless, turning to alcohol and drugs, 
and then to really completely turn around his life, stop being a victim of trauma and be the hero of his own story, and also becoming an advocate of helping empower trauma survivors to get unstuck, and honestly, to empower anyone through his company, Think Unbroken. So it's a real privilege to have with us today, Michael Unbroken. How are you, Michael? I'm amazing, my friend. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm very excited to be here with you. I'm really excited because I, I actually heard about Unbroken, I think, through some podcast uh, media. But then I saw and heard the interview you did with John Miles. And then I'm like, oh, I really have to bring him. You ha I had you on my list because what you're doing, the work that you're doing, working uh, really to help people that have gone through child trauma. And I think that's such a big mission that I really want more people to know about the work that you do and, and, and you know, how to help people in, the, in those situations. So can you share a little bit about your story? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'll kind of give you the, the high level here. I grew up in Indianapolis here in America. My mother was a drug addict and alcoholic. Um, she actually cut off my right index finger when I was four years old. And people always say, well, how could your mother do that? And, you know, she was a victim, right? You hear that hurt people, hurt people. And that's what it was. She married my stepfather when I was six. Um, he was super abusive. The kind of guy you pray is never your stepfather. You know, he put my brothers and I in the hospital multiple times and I never met my real father. Uh, I used to lay in bed at night and I'd cry and I'd be like, I wish my real dad would come and save me. And one of the greatest things that I learned as a child was that no one's going to save you. And I spent the majority of my childhood homeless and deeply in poverty. In fact, I lived with 30, three, zero different families between eight to 12 years old. We were always living with strangers, with people from the church, with friends, with other family members. You know, at one point I was living by myself in an abandoned house for a month and a half, right? I was stealing food to survive, only showering at school. Like it was this very chaotic situation. And then my grandmother adopted me when I was 12. And you'd think that would be amazing. Um, I'm biracial, black and white. And my grandma's an old racist ass white lady from a town you've never heard of. So racist, we had a copy of Hitler's autobiography, Mein Kampf, on our kitchen table. Oh, and my wow. uncle, who's in prison for life, is a part of the Aryan Brotherhood. And so... I started having this tremendous amount of depression, anxiety. I had identity crisis. And at 12 years old, I got high for the first time. I got drunk when I was 13. And at 15, I was expelled from school for selling drugs. And I was hurting people, running from the cops, getting shot at, breaking into houses. It was this very chaotic situation. And luckily, I got put into a last chance program to hopefully try to graduate. And I still did not. And what happened was they just handed me the diploma. They're like, you got to get the hell out of here. We're done with you. And I was thrown into the world and I didn't know what to do. And I was, I just gotten fired from a job working at a warehouse. I was, you know, putting microchips in a motherboard all day long, standing on assembly line. And I was like, I can't believe they fired me. It's probably because I was stoned, but they fired me. And so <laughs> I was, I was sitting in my car and I'm like, hold on, this can't be my life. And I was like, what is the solution for poverty, for abuse, for homelessness? And I was, it's money, right? That was my thought. It must be money. And so I said to myself, I'm going to make $100,000 a year legally by the time that I'm 21. 
And I got a job at a fast food restaurant. And at 18 years old, I had 52 people under me in a leadership role, learning how to do inventory and cash flow and read P&Ls and the whole nine. And one day I was on MySpace. So I'll age, I'll age myself a little bit here. So I'm on MySpace and I'm chatting with my friend and he just got a brand new truck. And this thing was gorgeous. It just come out. And I'm like, wait a second, but you're dummy who went to my high school, who used to get stoned with me every day. What are you selling? Right? Because I want to get in on that. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, man, I got a job working for a corporate insurance company. And my mind was blown. I didn't know that was possible because only thing I ever knew was warehouse jobs and fast food and things like that. And I thought that's my direction to $100,000 a year. And so I just started writing resumes and cover letters and interviewing and getting told no all the time. And eventually, as I was heading into turning 21 years old, I landed a job with a Fortune 10 company. I started making my six figures and my life became terrible because that thing happens to people the first time they get money. And that happened to me. And by the time I was heading into 26 years old, I was 350 pounds, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my girlfriend. And that's when I put a gun in my mouth. I was done. I was like, I thought money solved all these problems and it doesn't. And then the next morning I'm laying in bed and it's 11 o'clock in the morning. Now keep in mind, I'm 350 pounds. I'm smoking a joint, eating chocolate cake and watching the CrossFit games. Just to translate, <laughs> that's about 150 kilos or something yes. like that, right? It's a lot yeah, of Yeah, it's about 135. Yeah. And so it's very big. And, and I went and I looked at myself in the bathroom mirror and I didn't recognize my face. And I remember being eight years old and the water company, they came and they turned our water off and it was this hot Indiana summer day. And they were always turning off our electricity in the winter, our water. We were getting evicted and kicked out all the time. And on this particular day, I go to my backyard and I get this little blue bucket and I walk across to our neighbor's house. And I turn on the water on the side of their house. And for the first time I stole water. And I remember being like, when I'm a grown up, this won't be my life. And it wasn't financially, but it was in every other way. Cause I was that hurt, lost little boy. And as I stood in the mirror, remembering that moment, I knew that I'd let myself down. I broke my promise. I was a victim. And I asked myself, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And the answer was no excuses, just results. And 11 years later, here I am talking to you. And in this process and in this journey has been a tremendous amount of work, therapy, group therapy, men's group therapy, trauma therapy, CBT, EMDR, NLP, ABC, all the acronyms, right? <laughs> yeah. It was getting a coach, having a coach, reading, 
hundreds of books, investing in myself, tons of courses and seminars. I've got 30 certifications in trauma education, showing up for myself and choosing to live the life that I have today. And ultimately, I'm very fortunate because I'm able to not only run multiple businesses, but coach and speak and have conversations like this and write books and help thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people around the world. And it simply comes to one mission. I want to end generational trauma in my lifetime so another person never has a story like what I just told you. That's a huge mission. I mean, I really support that. And and it's a, it's a big endeavor. So I'm really happy that also you've been through it. So you are a testimony that is possible. Now, when you go back to that moment where you feel like you fail yourself, still, like I see a, a young boy who was trying to find the answer to a solution to a problem, which was your unhappiness, your, your loneliness, or whatever you were feeling that was pretty much very complex, but always searching always searching for something, for some solution. What do you think was a catalyst, you know, that, that really helped you to stay on that road of trying to find something that would change your life? Well, I, I think that we are faced with two decisions in life. You can be the hero or you can be the victim. And your story can own you or you can own your story. And I realized at 27 years old, so a little bit after I, you know, I started taking care of myself. I, I started going to the gym and trying to eat better. And I, I was trying to move through these toxic relationships. And I took some friends out of my life and I was going to therapy, like I was doing the things. And I realized at 27 that I had no confidence. I did not believe in myself because it had been stripped of me right? Here's the thing that's really fascinating about this experience. Trauma isn't the scar, like, you know, my finger gets cut off. It's mm -hmm. not that it's not the burns. It's not the cuts. It's not those things that I believe we carry. It's the theft. It's this, our, our identity is stolen. You learn how to not be you because think about this. The brain serves one purpose, survival. Survival long enough for you to have kids and then to watch your kids have kids. That's it. It's the mm. only thing the brain cares about. And so when you're a child and you're in these abusive scenarios, because your brain is so plastic, so malleable, so adaptive, what does it do? It says, oh, if I'm me, then I suffer pain. So I'm not going to be me because if I'm not me, I'm safe. Thus, survival. And the really fucked up part about that is that serves you for a while. It keeps you safe in childhood. The most dangerous thing I could do as a kid was to have an opinion. The fastest way for me to get my head slammed into a wall was to ask for something that I needed. And so what happens is you learn to turn yourself off. And then when you're 12, 17, 18 years old, you're safe. And then you get into the world and you're 22, 36, 42, 59 years old, and you don't know how to be you. You don't know how to say yes. You don't know how to say no. And what happens is you spent your whole life placating and bending yourself to everything around you so that you feel safe. 
except there's one giant problem in that. The more that you do that, the less you are you. And so at 27, finding myself with no confidence, I knew that I wanted to do something with my life that mattered. I didn't know what that was. The catalyst, the driver was me not negotiating with myself. I used to, so this is, this is kind of messed up, but when I was in this, I would go stare in the mirror and I would call myself a terrorist. And I'd be like, I do not negotiate with terrorists. Right. Hilarious, yeah. And it would be, well, I had to figure out how to trick my brain because yeah. I never did any of this stuff before. And I used to be the guy when I went to the gym, there was a McDonald's and a bar in the gym and my bag would be packed every day. I did this for years. I would get in my car after work, smoke a cigarette, drive to the gym, sit in the parking lot, look at it and go McDonald's. Then I'd go to the bar and then I'd walk by the gym because you had to walk by the gym to go to the bar. And I would get in my car, smoke a cigarette, go home and say tomorrow. And I did that for years. And so me saying to myself, I don't negotiate with terrorists was me playing a trick on myself so that I show up every day. This morning, 5.30 a.m., alarm goes off. What are you going to do? Who are you going to be today? Who do you choose to show up as? And so I have to remind myself to go and show up as me and live my life. And so the catalyst to continue to do this was because I knew I could create myself if I was willing to stop negotiating with myself. And a lot of people be like, oh, but don't you have this grandiose dream of like ending trauma and helping hundreds of thousands of millions of people? Yeah, duh. But if I don't do that for me first, how the hell can I do that for anybody else? So I know this sounds crazy, but my greatest inspiration to like show up in my life is me. Because how do I serve other people? How do you try... Think about this for a second. How do you trust my commitment to you if I don't commit to myself first? Yeah, that's powerful. And that's what it was. I said, I commit to me first and I'll figure out the rest along the way. I am the catalyst for the life that I'm creating. I am the reason. Because look, here's the thing. If, if you don't believe in yourself, who will? If you don't show up for yourself every day, who's going to? Nobody else cares. Nobody else is going to build your dream for you. Your kids don't care about your dreams. I promise you that your family doesn't <laughs> care about your dreams. Your community doesn't care about your dreams. No one cares. And I'm sorry, I hate to break it to you, but it's the truth. You're the only person who can be the catalyst of success or failure in your life. And it takes the same exact, I'm telling you, it takes the same energy to destroy your life as it does to create your life. And what have you seen? Because I see a lot of people that play the victim role and they don't get out of there because they don't even see it. They don't even see what is a victim role. And they feel like life is, you know, the life is happening at you, but they don't see it. It's like a fish is in the water. They don't see the water. Um, and, you know, the student is ready. So the teacher will come when the student is ready. But is there a way that you have seen in your experience to activate this, to make people see more that there is another way of seeing life? No, there's not. Not until you're ready. 
I'll remember, I'll give you a perfect example. So my, my friend's girlfriend, when I was 20 years old, gave me a copy of Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. It just been on like Oprah Winfrey's bestseller list or whatever her book club was called. And she had saw something in me that I didn't see. And, and she was like, I think you need help is basically what she was saying. But we were kids, so we didn't know how to use those words. She was just like, hey, this is a book you should read. Do you know what I did with that book? I threw it in the trash can. Why? Why? because I had not yet acknowledged and been willing to face the truth of the reality that I needed to work on my shit. And that's what happens. And it's, it's the oldest adage. You can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make them drink. Mm -hmm. And that holds true of this. The the teacher will be there all day until you're ready to walk into the classroom. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? There, there are people all the time. They're like, think about this. They're like, Oh, I would love to dance. The studio's right here. You walking in or not. And until that moment, nothing will be different. Nothing in your life changes until you make it change. My therapist taught me something so incredible about six years ago that changed my life forever. He goes, change only happens when you make change happen. And it sounds so simple, you know, and it's like (laughs) so obvious. yeah. It is the most simple and simultaneously the most complicated thing that you will ever do. Because people will be like, I'll give you an example. People like, people like, how have you written so many books? I'm like, I sit down and I write books. Yeah. That's how. How do, you, how do you coach people? I sit down, I coach. But how do you start a podcast? I sit down and I record, right? You do the thing you say you're going to do. Like, that's the thing. But until you acknowledge that you're not doing the thing that you need to do to change your life, nothing is going to change. And people are always waiting. They're like, oh, yeah, no, tomorrow, that moment will come. There's no Disney moment. Nobody's coming to rescue you. It's not happening. Everything that you want in your life, you have to go and earn. You like, you got to do it. And people are always like, I don't have time. Yes, you do. Show me your calendar and I'll show you why you're not successful. Show me your friends. I'll show you why you're not successful. Show me your habits. I'll show you why you're not successful. Because the truth is, look, discipline is ultimately the way that you get to what you want in your life. I wish it wasn't. Do you know what my favorite thing is? My favorite thing is to sit on the couch and eat gummy bears and watch cartoons. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think I would be here talking to you right now if that's what I did every day? No, because I acknowledge the truth of the reality of the life I was living. We all have that thing in our head that keeps us awake at night. It keeps you awake. You can't sleep. You think about it all the time. Until you address that thing, nothing's going to be different. I don't even think you can start this healing journey till you address that thing because you're so conflicted with it. In the passing, in the moments of silence, it comes up, right? We've all had it. We've all had that. You're like, oh, if I just do this, if I just face this fear, everything will be different. And it's like, until you do, nothing's going to be different. And so you want to talk, people are always like, well, how do you acknowledge it? You acknowledge it. It's right there. It's been, go look at the mirror. You know the truth. And until you do that, nothing's different. You know Bear Grylls? Yes. 
I love Bear Grylls because he has he has this thing, you know, he he fell down uh, from his parachute. He didn't open completely and then he broke his back. And so he was paralyzed for a lot of time. So he shared in one of his books that he always has fear before he jumps always. And I thought that was so great to read, not not because it's great that he has fear, but because it shows that even the most crazy person that does the most crazy stuff still feels or faces fear and has to you know go through that moment that that emotion that may make you stuck and not do anything and still do it and and he says that every time he has to jump he needs his little space where the team just lets him be so that he can face his demons and then go and jump and he still jumps you know so i think that's uh, you know that's amazing that what you're sharing i just yeah. ultimately that's everything he's right He's right. I mean, here's the reality. Fear is everywhere. My, my homie, Trent Shelton, he, he has the best acronym for whatever. He goes, fear is face everything and rise or face everything and run. <laughs> and, and when he told one. me that the first time I was like, damn son, cause he's right. Like that's what it is. And I face fear every single day. I face the fear to show up, to be the person I'm capable of being. Right. I face the fear of being a leader. I face the fear of running businesses, of being a community leader, of volunteering, of, 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 of showing up in the world. It's always there. It's never going to go away, but you choose what you do with it, rise or run. And, and I think that one of the hardest parts about this, so let, let's think about this in a, in a real contextual and practical sense. Why do people not face their fear? It's very simple. Think about when you're seven years old and you're in class and the teacher gives you a house and you get a color of the house and there's a sun and you decide you're going to make the sun purple. And this teacher comes up to you and they go, how dare you make the sun purple? That's not right. And you're chastised in front of everyone and all the kids laugh because they're kids and they don't know better. And you're so embarrassed and shamed. You're filled with fear and terror that you never want to experience again. And so what does the brain do? It goes, I'm going to stop being creative because I feel pain when I do what I want. And then what happens is you're a grown up now and that fear encompasses every decision that you make. See, there's causation and correlation to everything. We are the experiences that have happened to us, whether we like it or not. And so you're in this position now where it's like, I want to face this fear. I want to leave the relationship or start the business or solo travel the world or write the book. And you can't because Miss Smith fucked you up when you were seven years old. And now you have to go through this process of recalibrating yourself. And the only way that you can do that is you face the fear. That's it. There's no other way to navigate it. You can't listen to podcasts. You can't read books. You can't go to seminars. Tony Robbins ain't going to help your ass. You're going <laughs> to have to face your fear. And that's the only way this works. If you want to be who you're capable of being, it's right here. It's sitting in front of you. It's here, but you've got to grab it. You've got to be willing to walk off of the edge of the cliff 
and say, well, I hope this parachute's going to open because if you don't, then the thing that I am most terrified of, the thing that keeps me awake at night is dying of regret. That's, that's my only, I got goosebumps thinking because it terrifies me. The idea that on my deathbed at that last gasp, you know, that like right before it's over, my biggest fear is I will say regret. And that is a life unlived. You know, but that's beautiful because that's really the catalyst. You know, if you have that big fear of regret, that's going to push you forward to do anything or at least going to help you to push forward and never stop and never stay stuck in anything for too long. You know, fear can keep you a little bit on some places, but you can find them the way to push forward. So that's beautiful that you found that and, and that that keeps you awake. It's it's a great motivation. Well, it is. And and look in the day to day of life, it's scary. Like it's mm-hmm. hard. You you have to invest your time, your effort, your energy, your money. You have to put yourself first when you've never done it before. Going back to this idea about identity, many, many, many people who have experienced traumatic experiences, which is almost all of us, are, are in this position where we're figuring out who we are for the first time. We've never, and, and we're changing so quickly that we go, we're not who we were yesterday. And so we beat ourselves up for that. And I go, I hope I'm not who I was yesterday because yesterday was as good as I could have been. I can't be better than yesterday. So today I have to be as good as I can be. I have to be as great as I can be. I have to go as hard as I can go and hope for the best and know along that line. And in that time frame and in these parameters, I'm going to make huge mistakes, huge financial mistakes, relational mistakes, mistakes with myself, with everything and everybody all the time, because that's how this goes. Nobody is free of this. Nobody. And yet we try to hold ourselves on this pedestal that says we have to be perfect all the time. We're having a human experience. We've never done this before. Maybe give yourself a little bit of space to figure some shit out. Because if you don't, Listen, if you don't, if you don't give yourself space, you're going to beat yourself up all the time. Exactly. You know, I recently had an experience. I had a friend who was in Kiev in Ukraine and uh, she's a normal citizen. And and she after figuring out like a few things and how to, you know, cover the windows and all these things to prepare for the bombings. She was telling me, like, I feel so frustrated because I'm in fear and I'm thinking, give yourself some 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 love. I mean, you are facing something that you've never faced and that you thought that you were never going to face. So it's amazing how much we beat ourselves up for even a thing like that. You know, when you are in a war that you were never expecting and still you're beating yourself up because you don't know how to behave in a war that you were not trained to. So it's just amazing how much we, we can beat ourselves. And I think with, with um, people that have gone through a lot of trauma as kids, I think it's even worse. I think we there's even more weight that we put that is hard to get rid of, you know? And so going to talk about shame and guilt, which I think are big luggages that make you know healing and recovery harder, what are your two cents on that, on how to deal with shame and guilt? Yeah. 
Well, I think about it like this. So imagine you have a bag and in this bag, you have bricks and boulders and everywhere you go, you have to take that damn bag with you. How long are you going to carry that bag before you let go? And that's what this is. The, 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 the part about this that I think is probably the most difficult is learning to let go. You see, we're not culpable for the things that happened to us as kids. It's not your fault that that stuff happened. Like these scars I carry, I don't take responsibility for it. But I think about trauma like this. So it's like you have a house, you own a home, you have this big, beautiful yard, and it's everything you wanted. But every single time you go outside, there's all this trash and garbage in your front yard. And you can keep ignoring it and walking over it, but it's still there. And you come back every single day, it's still there. And one day you have to figure out the truth. It's not your trash, but you still have to pick it up. And that's the difficulty in this. We're fixing mistakes that we didn't make. And it's unfair and it sucks and it's unjust and it shouldn't have to be a part of our experience, but you don't get any say in it because it already has happened. And I don't know about you, but I don't have a time machine, so I can't go back in time and make that stuff not happen. And so I have to look at this trash and go, am I willing to pick it up? and put it where it needs to go and get it off of my yard so that I can have this beauty. And that's a process of letting go. And the only way you get to let go is you've got to start doing the work. You've got to process these things, put them where they need to be, go through therapy, go through coaching, go through education and personal development and learn to love yourself and build yourself and find confidence and grow and change and heal and ultimately do that thing called becoming unbroken. And in that space, and it's different for everybody, but in that space, eventually you'll find the ability to let go. And letting go isn't forgetting. Let me be very clear about that. Letting go is not, oh, I forget about it. That shit don't work. That'll never work. Letting go is looking at it and saying, I acknowledge that I cannot change the past, but I control the future. And you've got to do the work around it. It's going to be dark and dirty and hard and ugly, and you're going to cry a lot and you're going to be mad and you're going to be sad and you're going to be hurt. And that's going to be the experience until it's not. And then one day that's not it anymore. And one day you don't have to go to therapy four times a week like I did. And one day you don't have to read all the books and go to all the conferences and all the seminars just to be stable. Eventually you'll go to them because you want to. Eventually you'll do it because it makes you feel better. Eventually you'll live life in this way in which you have the sense of freedom of being yourself. It might take you a day, might take you 200 years. I don't know, but I know that the only way you're going to find out is you show up. You walk through the door, you ask for help, you be willing to acknowledge that things have happened and you find the right assistance and guidance on this journey. And look, the the real truth about it is shame and guilt and judgment. Those things are around us all the time and people carry it because they're so afraid to let go. It's like, you got this backpack, like how long are you going to carry this with you? 
Because at some point, I know this sucks to hear, it's a choice. At some point, you're choosing to stay the victim. At some point, you're choosing to live this life. And I raised my hand because I'm the first one who did it. I wouldn't be here without having been that guy. I refuse to be that man. I refuse it because, again, I do not negotiate with myself. And so in that non-negotiation, I do not allow myself any ability to be the victim. I do not allow myself to be shamed. I do not allow myself to feel guilty. I simply recognize the truth. I cannot change the past. I can only control the future. It's powerful things that you're saying. And I think there is a point where you realize that you were playing the victim. And that's when you start to change. But still, there's people that maybe because in this society, we have so many tools to distract ourselves that they don't want to go through the uncomfortable situation of your feelings, go through the feelings. Because today is, I think we were actually discussing this with a guest last time, that we have so many things that makes us comfortable that to be uncomfortable now is even more uncomfortable, you know, but it's, it's the way to grow. So what can help to go and navigate through that uncomfortable time? Yeah. Well, look, I, I think it's really simple. Either you're going to do it or you're not, <laughs> you yeah. know, and that's the, like, look, look, that's the hard truth of it. People yeah. want the answer. They want me to give you a fucking magic pill. They want me to lay out the 17 step roadmap to all the success in the life. You're only going to get it by doing it. You're only going to get it by doing it. No one has ever, ever, ever got any success in their life by not doing anything. I can't sit on my couch. Look, all right, here, let's play a game real quick. I'm going to play this game. It's called, I want to be a New York times bestselling author. It's very simple, but I'm never going to write a book. I'm never going to publish a book. I'm never going to learn how to make a book. I'm never going to get my book on shelves. Do you think I'm going to win that game? <laughs> you know, it's so funny because that's how people sell a lot of their programs. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. <laughs> You have to do everything yeah, all the time. Exactly, That's exactly. how this works. And, and look, the, the thing about the distractions, look, I get it. We all have cell phones. That's the world we live in. Okay. And use that as an excuse. Keep going. Keep using it as an excuse. Watch your life be the same. I think about this all the time. When I say no excuses, just results, I mean it. Because here's the reality. Once you acknowledge Here's what's real fucked up. Once you acknowledge the thing that's keeping you stuck and you don't do something about it, you've made a choice. You have decided you're okay with your life being what it is. So guess what? Shut up. You don't get to complain because you decided this. And I promise you, if you go look in that mirror about that decision, and you say, what am I willing to do to have the life I want to have? If the answer is anything less than no excuses, just results, your life is going to be the same when you wake up tomorrow. But it could be different right now. Like it could literally, your life could be entirely different in the next seven minutes because of the choices and decisions you make. You have the power to change everything right now. But then guess what? You're going to have to jump out that helicopter. And that's what people don't want to do. They want the easy solution. Mm. 
They want the, I read the secret and my life got better because I manifested it. All right. Let me know how that turns out for you. They want everything to be handed to them. The truth is, because let me give you something practical here. Like, think about this. I've been doing, I've been running Think Unbroken for six years. We just met. You know what I mean? They're, the goals that I have, I tell myself this all the time, they're 37 years away, 37 years. And in five years from now, they will still be 37 years away. Why? Because I play trick on myself because it's about showing up every day. It's not about the end goal. It's about what are you doing today to move towards that life? and acknowledging that the only way that you get there is through the actions, but you also need to have massive clarity about where you're going. Most people do not have clarity. I'll give you an example. People are always like, I want, I want a hill. The hell does that mean? That means nothing. There is so much vagary in that. That is so open-ended and non-specific that that is impossible. What does heal mean? You're going to drink some water. Are you going to put a bandaid on, get some antibiotic cream? Like, what does it mean? You got to get so specific about your life that it has to be like this. I want to find a coach who can help me heal childhood trauma so that I can learn to love myself and become the person that I'm capable of being because I need to let go of those experiences because I know I'm capable of more. Clarity is everything. And without that, then you will sit on the couch and be like, oh, I want to have, I want to have this great life. Oh, my life's not great, but I sat on the couch and I hoped for it. No, you need to be specific about everything. And then you need to move with massive action towards it. And then the other part about it, which I hate personally, but you have to get comfortable with is that you're going to have to be incredibly patient. It's going to take you longer to do whatever it is you think you're about to do than you think it's going to take. And, and patience is not a virtue. I wish I could find whoever said that for the first time and punch him in the face because it's so <laughs> stupid. Patience is a skill. Patience is a skill. You must learn to harness patience. You must learn to understand patience. You must learn how to navigate patience while simultaneously moving every single moment of every single day, like it's your last second on earth. Because when you can kind of like figure out that balance beam, when you let those worlds come into each other and start to melt, that's where you really start to see change happen. Because I tell people all the time when they come into my courses, when they come into coaching, anything they do with me, I say, take action now. But wait, because it's going to be a long time before you see the fruits of that labor right? You can't plant a seed today and expect it to grow. You're going to need to give it a few days, few months, few, few years even. And I tell people when they come into this, when you sign the dotted line, when you're like, I'm ready to be unbroken, when you're like, I want this life, this thing is a rest of your life thing. There, you don't get a certificate at the end of this program. You go every day. That's beautiful. You know, one time, uh, because I've also had my my abuses as a kid and all that stuff. And so I went through some therapies 
And I remember thinking, when is this gonna be healed? You know, that was my question. Like I've tried this and this and this. So when am I gonna feel better about this? And someone draw a beautiful uh, metaphor that is, it is like a spiral. So you're going through a spiral and the spiral is big at the bottom and then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller until you go to the next level. And then in the next level, there's another spiral. But if you see it as a spiral, it's like, okay, you gotta go through this journey. It's not like suddenly you just found the solution and you jump to whatever else. So yeah. I thought that was a, a great analogy to what you were saying, everything that you were saying before. So yeah, yeah I, I love that. And I, I look at life in the same way because it's like walking, it's literally the exact thing, right? It's walking up these steps every single day. And then you get to a landing. You don't go back down the steps. You never slide back down, but you get to this new level. And when you get to this new level in front of you, there's more steps and you walk up those steps and then you level and steps and level and steps and level. And that's life, yeah. right? It's, you know, Bruce Lee said, don't ask for an easy life, ask for the tools to navigate a difficult one. And what happens is the further you get into this, like, honestly, here's what I think is fascinating. Like, life gets more easy and simultaneously more complex the more that you get into this journey mm -hmm. and it's just simple you just keep walking those steps every single day knowing and understanding the truth that if you keep going you're eventually going to get to where you want to be and then you're going to sit there for about six minutes you're going to take in the view grab a photo do a selfie and then you're going to be like oh by the way i actually want what's up there and yeah. then you'll start walking up those steps again and knowing that you are a beginner in that new stage and so you have to be patient and caring and loving to yourself knowing that you're going to screw up for sure yeah. <laughs> so yeah that's beautiful and and i heard your interview with paul and i thought that was really mm -hmm. amazing the talk that you guys had and it was beautiful to hear how that was a goal that you have for seven years and it, yeah. it got materialized and you also were in his podcast but in that in that episode you talk about vulnerability and and i would love for you to explain what is vulnerability for you yeah and 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 that's paul gilmartin you're referring to yeah i'm sorry um, I, I'm, no I, no that's okay <laughs> um it's you know i just wanted to make sure because there's a couple of pauls on my show um i look you have to decide who you want to be and become that and and I love Paul's show. It's called the Mental Illness Happy Hour, arguably the best mental health show on planet Earth, arguably. And so I've been trying to be a guest on that show for seven years. Think about that. You know how many times I emailed Paul Gilmartin? You know what I mean? You know how many times I like DM'd him? You know how many times I like wrote a review or did the thing? Because like, here's the thing. When you set a goal in your life, you don't stop you go figure it out you don't negotiate you just do it <laughs> even if it's somebody else telling you and him telling me no had nothing to do with me he just wasn't ready yet that's nothing to do with me he'll get ready eventually right and so i went i literally got on a plane flew to la went into his studio sat down talked with him and it was phenomenal it was a great experience it's exactly what i thought it would be but it took me a lot longer than I thought it was going to take. And if it took me 17 years, I wouldn't have stopped because I made a decision about what I wanted in my life. Mm -hmm. And, and look, the, the thing about vulnerability 
I mean, look, I, you know, we live in, <laughs> this, is, this always pisses people off when I, somebody's going to email me after I say this, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> crying on the internet is not being vulnerable. I promise you this. Yeah. That ain't it. Whatever that is, if we could all just stop doing that, that would be great. Thank you. <laughs> Vulner- <laughs> Vulner- I'm being it. an asshole, but it's true. <laughs> Vulnerability is like sitting down and talking about your fears. Vulnerability is sitting down and having conversations about your truth. Vulnerability is when you are in connection with the person that you're with in that moment, but most importantly, yourself, to be honest and authentic and not hide, right? My, my friend, Gary Brecca, who's probably the smartest person I've ever met in my life, he was like, the highest vibrating frequency on planet earth is authenticity, Think about this. When you meet someone and you go, there's something off about that person. They're inauthentic. We pick up on that. We are machines. Like, believe it or not, we are machines. Mm. And these machines have radar and they pick up on things. It's safety. It's people. It's it's all the stuff. And so in order to be vulnerable, you first must be authentic with yourself. Stop lying to yourself. Stop. The reason we lie to ourselves ties all the way back to this whole conversation. It's all the things. And people are like, I want to be vulnerable, but there's like, you have got to be willing first to acknowledge the truth of who you are mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually, all the ways that you exist and to own it. Because people are judging you anyway. It has nothing to do with you. People don't like me. I don't care. I don't, I literally could not care less. People love me. Doesn't impact me at all. Why? Why? And people will go, well, that makes you a sociopath. No, it doesn't. (laughs) People have literally told me that before. (laughs) It does not. I am okay with who I am. When I go look in that mirror, I am okay with the reflection. Exactly how I am. I'm six, four, covered in tattoos, nose ring, gold chain, wear Jordans. Like this is who I am. I curse all the time. I get hyped up. I write books. I speak. I This is who I am. You don't like it. So what? I don't care. I like it. I love who I am every day. I didn't used to. So I did something about it. And that's the thing. I cannot be vulnerable and share these stories. Think about that story I shared with you at the beginning of this. There's no way I could have done that without being authentic in therapy a decade ago, seven years ago, five years ago, last month, right? Because it's through that authenticity that you find truth. And when you find truth, you can step into vulnerability. This is why, you know, I make fun of it, but like crying on the internet is not vulnerability. You having a bad day and putting it for the world to see that is not it. What vulnerability is, is keeping it real with yourself so that you can vibe with other human beings in truth. That's what it is. Yeah, I love that you say that because some of these words now get very trendy and then people, I think, forget the the deep meaning of it. People can have these crimes, like you're saying in the internet, but they cannot have the deep conversation with their partner, with their children, with their parents, with 
And, and I think that's where it's good to review these things and, and get another you know, reminder that it's not just a word that is fashion or trending on Instagram, but really it's, it means to go deep. And like you're saying, with yourself first, that's the first person that you got to be honest. And that takes work. And that takes, uh, like you're saying, doing the work. And I hear that a lot, but you've really done the work or it sounds like you've done the work. And I'm still doing it. I I was going to go there. Like, what does it mean to you now doing the work? Yeah, it's the same thing. I haven't stopped. Like you, like I I practice what I preach, Mm -hmm. like for real this morning, 530 AM woke up, hit the journal, meditated, went to the gym, ate healthy food, started working, got on the podcast. Tomorrow I'll do the same thing. I don't negotiate with myself. I show up every day. I do the healing work. Again, I'm going to make mistakes. I, I got my therapist on speed dial. Like he knows like every month and a half, two months, I'm going to go, yo, I need eight minutes. I got to figure this thing out. Right. And I have coaches like, here's the, here's the truth about it. I am coached by Tony Robbins, by Tom Bilyeu and Grant Cardone. I've invested my time, effort, energy, and lots of money into being able to do that. Why? Because I can't coach people if I don't have a coach. I need help. I need assistance. I need guidance. I need to put myself out there. I need to grow. I need to be able to be in a position to be successful. And and that's this whole thing. I'm still getting certifications. I'm still reading books. I'm writing books. I'm doing all the things. I can't tell people the things that they should do if I don't do them myself. When I decided this was a rest of my life thing, I meant it. And that's what it is. This is a rest of my life thing. So the same things I did 10 years ago are the same things I do today. I just fuck up a little bit less than I used to. (laughs) You have more tools. Exactly. Because I'm on another level. There's levels to this game. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah. That's some people are in one, some people are in 90, some people are in 2,412. I don't know, but it's different. And so it's just like, just show up, show up. That's the game. And what is the change that you want to see in the world? Look, you know, it's, I just want people to understand the truth. Understand the truth. You can have anything you want. I should not be here with you. Statistically, literally from a statistical standpoint, I should be dead or in jail. My three childhood best friends have been murdered. I got family in prison for life. My mom died with no legs from a drug overdose. My grandma died after a coma from being an alcoholic. I grew up homeless. I don't have a high school diploma or a college education. I can't barely even read for most of the time, but that ain't going to stop me. And that's the thing. You can have it. The change in the world I want to see is people to recognize the truth. You go look in that mirror and everything will be different. Well, I want to be respectful of your time because we're almost in the hour, but it's been an absolute pleasure to be with you. And I really praise you for the work that you're doing and the help that you're giving to so many people that need it. And I'll make sure that all your information is on the notes and on the post and um, that everybody can contact you. 
think I'm broken. And I really thank you again, Michael, for being here with us. Thank you yeah, so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Bye.